Ava Hartling. Welcome to the Brand is Female podcast. Every week, I speak with women changemakers and founders who are redefining the rules of female leadership. This season of our podcast is brought to you by TD Women in Enterprise. TD helps women in business achieve success and growth through their educational workshops, financing, and mentorship. Visit thebrandysfemale.com slash podcast and follow the link to find out how TD can help. This week, my guest is Jolene Livingston, founder and principal of Bespoke Social Profit Solutions, a woman-led majority female consulting firm. Jolene and her team specialize in helping charitable organizations increase their reach and impact by providing guidance and strategy, fundraising, and communications. She believes that the future of the charitable sector is in moving from a nonprofit to social profit mindset, where we look at rewarding organizations who are thinking big and creating major impact, even if they need to spend some money to get there. Jolene is working to change the conversation in the sector with funders and donors while helping her clients develop and execute the bold ideas that keep their communities thriving. Here is our conversation. Jolene, it's a pleasure welcoming you on The Brand is Female today. Thank you so much for making time to speak with me. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be part of your session. And I know you've listened to the podcast before, so you probably, you've probably noticed that I usually start these conversations by asking my guests uh, to go back in time. And growing up, what did you think you'd be doing as a career later in life? And was it at all connected to what you're actually doing today? Um, yeah, no, not at all. I when I was young, I always imagined that I was going to be an Olympic figure skater. Um, <laughs> That's probably the best answer I've got to this. <laughs> I love that. Well, and you obviously have not seen me at the Olympics, so that did not pan out. So um, I was a professional figure skater. Um, I worked for Disney on Ice. I was <laughs> in, in fur from head to toe. I was one of the lost boys from Peter Pan. Um, this is amazing. And we, we may need a visual to go with this episode. Oh yeah. Yeah. I can give you one. It's, uh, it's extremely glamorous, not, um, but yeah, no, that was fun. But, uh, yeah, no. Um, I think, you know, once I was done figure skating, I really didn't know. Um, I started going to university and kind of flirted with marketing and communications and a bit of psychology. Um, but yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't sure at all. I, you know, I didn't know what my path was going to hold. Um, I actually veered away from university. I got lured into a job with a crown corporation, um, an insurance company, which sounds incredibly boring. Um, but I actually accredit it to a lot of what I've become today, but, um, I got lured away just because it was a good paying job. And, you know, growing up, my family, they struggled a lot financially, a lot. And I never wanted to have that kind of constraint around me. Um, I was always interested in sports and entertainment for sure. And I saw myself kind of in that realm somewhere. So, um, you know, the crown corporation that I was working for had a public affairs and corporate marketing department. And so I kind of veered my career over that way and started as a junior, um, kind of around partnerships and sponsorships. So, I was basically granting funding to um, to charitable organizations and um, events and whatnot. Um, 
Then my husband, I was married at the time, he got lured to Toronto for his job. He was working in commerce, so I followed him. And one of our clients that we were working with um, at the insurance company hired me. So I went and worked for, I'm not going to name the name because it was not a very positive experience, but I worked in big, big alcohol. Let's just call it that, big alcohol. <laughs> um, and it was a very, very misogynist um, climate and just morally did not fit. Like I, I loved the work I was doing, but it did not fit with my own values. Um, so from then I went, went and worked for the Health and, Health and Stroke Foundation, um, which was an area that was really near and dear to my heart. I, um, I was a runner. I was quite athletic. I had come from a figure skating background. Um, and, you know, health and nutrition were top of mind for me. So it, it made a lot of sense for me, but I didn't really know what that was going to look like. Um, and so uh, when I started working for the Heart and Stroke Foundation, I was working um, in an area called planned giving. Um, and I had no idea what I was getting into, but I knew it had to do with philanthropic giving and the cause of the charity. And it was really intriguing to me. And I remember my boss at the time talking to me about... Um, an area called Major Gifts, which I was completely not familiar with. And she was like, yeah, you know, there are really rich people that like to give their money away and they like to be asked for it. And I was like, no way, really? <laughs> um, and I couldn't imagine ever doing it, but it was really intriguing to me. And so that was kind of the pivotal point when I got interested in philanthropic giving and a role as a development officer working between cause and transformational giving to make the world a better place. So fast forward, moved to Calgary with my husband again, his career, worked at the University of Calgary for 10 years. And um, my last post was the, with the then president, Elizabeth Cannon, who is an amazing mentor to me. Um, worked there 10 years and um, just was loving what I was doing. So um, yeah, from there, I took a hiatus and stayed home with my kids. I love that journey. And then how, what kind of spark made you want to start your own business? And uh, did you, was it a conscious decision that you wanted to become an entrepreneur? Because so far your, the roles in, in the early part of your career were in, in corporate positions. So this would be kind of a, a big change for you, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a big change, but I think it kind of found me. I think it was fortuitous. Um, so a couple of things, I remember having, um, this personality test, you know, you do those when you're in the workplace around how do you fit with the culture and how do you fit and work with your team? And I remember mine came back all over the place. So I'm, you know, I have two boys that have ADHD. I'm guessing they got it somewhere. And, um, I remember the consultant that was working with us saying, you know, your personality traits, they're, they're a bit all over the place, he says, but, but what that means is you'd be a really good entrepreneur. And I remember hearing it, but not, it not really sticking and not thinking that I really had kind of the, um, the confidence to do that. Um, but as I mentioned, I did stay home with my boys for a couple of years. Um, and the rationale for that was, um, you know, I had a very precocious seven-year-old and um, also a revolving door of nannies. So when I left my job at the university, I was traveling a lot. My husband was traveling a lot. It was a big job. He had a big job. 
and, you know, revolving door of nannies and on a first name basis with the principal at his school. And so somebody had to, somebody had to stay home and, and get the house in order. And, you know, stay at home mom was not, was not really my MO. It's not my necessarily my gift. I love my kids. I know I don't have to qualify that, but home full time was not what I was meant to do. Um, but it was what I meant. I was meant to do at the time. And so I dipped my toe in consulting just because it kept my finger in the game. I loved what I was doing with the not-for-profit sector. And, um, you know, it gave me the best of both worlds for a period of time. And so um, since that time, I kind of kept my consultancy pretty small to begin with, just because I really wanted to balance home and life if that elusive balance is ever struck anywhere. Do you have kids? I don't have kids, but that okay. conversation around balance comes up a lot in, in these podcasts and for, you know, for every woman entrepreneur, whether they have kids or not, it's, it's all, it's kind of that unattainable, you know, ideal that we've been sold. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it, if ever you want to know, you're welcome to borrow mine. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. That's yeah. Really, that, that no, they're, they're awesome now. They're actually awesome now. <laughs> um, they were awesome before too, but um Yeah. So anyway, um, I started off kind of 15, 20 hours a week, just keeping my toe in and and went back when my youngest was in, in, uh, kindergarten because I I had a bit more time. Um, and really it's been the last two or so years that I've gotten really kind of serious about my consultancy and starting to scale it up. And I just, I, I really am passionate about the work I'm doing. So we work in the nonprofit sector, but we don't call it that. We call it the social profit sector, and we call it that on purpose. Um, I noticed that on the website, and I wanted to ask about that. How did you yeah. frame that? Where where does that decision come from? So it's it's not unique. It's kind of some jargon that's starting to bubble up, which I love seeing. There's other kind of buzzwords that are bubbling up too, um, which I'm not as big a fan about, but. Um, social profit to me, you know, nonprofit, I was just having coffee with a colleague actually. And he says it has a negative connotation to it. And I'm like, yeah, like I never thought about it that way. I knew I didn't like it. And I guess I knew that I knew it had a negative connotation, but it undermines the sector. And actually we just went through strategic planning as a team and kudos to my team. If they're listening to this right now, I have the most amazing group of women that I work with right now. I learn from them all the time they're amazing and they have a shared philosophy and passion for the sector and, and changing the way we think about the sector. And so, yeah, we just came out strategic planning and our tagline now is um, a world without charity. And it's not because we don't donate. We do. We like to donate and we really love getting our charitable tax receipts and we love the work that's happening in the sector, but um, we want to talk more about it as investment versus charity um because the sector is big it's really big like it's almost 10 billion dollars in canada so you know almost as big as the energy sector you know about the same size as the manufacturing sector and and i feel like it you know the philosophy towards it sometimes is that we need to keep it small you know we need to do this work on the back of volunteers we need to you can't take up space and you can't have nice space. And, um, you know, we have to keep administrative costs really, really small. And, 
you know, it doesn't afford for taking some of the risks that need to be taken to solve big systemic problems like homelessness, like food poverty, like, sorry, I could go on and on and on. No, no, that's actually very interesting. I was, I was going to ask in that process of becoming an entrepreneur, uh, did you have any role models, maybe people around you who inspired you, whether they had their own business or, or in some other way, but, um, you know, and, and specifically along your journey, were there women specifically that you looked up to? Yeah, lots, lots, including yourself. I love that you're doing this. I'm so impressed. Um, uh, thank you so much. Well, I, I find too, you know, now that I'm old <laughs> or older, <laughs> um, and less ego and, you know, maybe a little bit more confident in myself. I have more and more role models that come into my life all the time and I learn from them continually and I'm really open to that. But I do, I do feel like there are some really, a couple of really pivotal women that have, have helped me forge my path. And, um, so sorry, I kind of gave you a blanket answer, but, um, just want to give props to my grade six teacher, Miss Quinlan, who believed in me from grade four to six. I had I had some pretty serious trauma in my life, and I was having a really hard time in the school system. And I had mostly male teachers, and I was in the principal's office a lot. And Miss Quinlan really believed in me and propped me up, and you know helped me build my confidence and made me realize that I was kind of worth more than more than I was giving myself credit for. Um, I love that so much. And I think teachers often don't get enough credit it, it later it later in our lives, right? It's like we remember them in school, but they're such a, an important part of shaping who we are. Yeah. Yeah. She, she did a lot for me at a really hard period of time and a young child's journey. So it was helpful. Um, and just two others, my best friend, Marla Heim, who she's a really well-educated woman who has chosen to stay home and be a domestic engineer. Um, and she's raising twin daughters and she teaches me about parenting and, and also how to empower and, um, raise independent children. So, um, you know, she's chosen to be home as a domestic engineer, but she can't be undermined for it. Like she's such a capable woman. Um, she can build things with her hands. She can do like, she can do anything a man can do <laughs> physically. I, and I, I feel like I need her in my life too. <laughs> well, I often, I often joke with her actually, if, uh, you know, my husband and I ever got divorced or God forbid he was to die, that I would marry her for sure. <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah. We, we all need that friend. Yeah. And so my other one would be my last boss, Elizabeth Cannon. She was the president of the University of Calgary. She was, she was, she had high expectations, but I learned so much from her, so much from her. And I continue to lean into her for advice in my consulting career to this date. And she makes space for me. So, um, yeah. This season of The Brand is Female is made possible with the support of TD Women in Enterprise, and they're about confidently building you. As a woman entrepreneur myself, I know I need all the support I can get. It takes sound advice plus guidance to the right connections, tools, and resources. What's great about TD services for women in business is their collaborative approach. TD can facilitate and connect you to workshops, coaching, and mentorship, and they engage other like-minded business leaders in an authentic way so we can share experiences and learn from each other. TD Women in Enterprise has banking specialists who are able to be proactive in the advice and guidance to give to women in business. 
I want to ask you, so that first year of starting your business and you dabbled in consulting or you, you did consulting for a while, um, was it what you expected? Did you kind of regret, you know, creating, creating your business? And it sounds like there was a transition because you consulted first, but, um, you know, what was that first year like? So I think the first year, I, I would actually call my first year two years ago, not nine years ago when I was kind of just consulting off the side of my desk and just working independently with one client. Um, I would say the last, like, since I've started to get bigger, I've learned a lot and I always knew that I needed and wanted a team around me and with me because we're stronger together and consulting can be a lonely world. Um, and so you know, I had some missteps, I would say, kind of in my hiring practices. And, and I don't actually think I'm the best mentor. Um, like, you know, they say, I've, I've talked to my accountant about, you know, when do you think about partnership? And he said, you need to partner with hunters. Like, have your gatherers as your team. You need to partner with hunters. And I'm a hunter. I like to go out and start things. I like to find opportunities. I like to build things, but I'm not very good at finishing most things. <laughs> I, you and I have that in common. <laughs> I'm just, and it's, some, it's something I learned while, when I started my own business too, right? It's when I realized what, what my strengths and weaknesses were, and that made me realize what I need among my team and the forces I need to complement my own leadership and work style. Yeah. And that takes some vulnerability, Hey, like to be able to kind of just put yourself out there and like with my, my team too, like <laughs> I've got a really strong COO and I'm Lorraine Jensen. I'm really, I'm so pleased to have her on my team. She's only been working with me for about eight months, but she's completely changed my life, like my world and my appreciation for my work because I get to do the stuff I love now, you know, like I, and, and I don't worry about being in the weeds and I am sure my team's happier because I'm, you know, not that helpful when I'm in the weeds. So, um, yeah, I, I wish I had have learned how badly I needed a COO, somebody, somebody that, you know, has the same kind of um, passion for the sector, but also really strong business acumen to work beside me. So did you choose a CEO that you hired on a team or is it somebody that came on as a partner? Uh, she's part of the team right now. Um, you know, we're, I'm always open to exploring different ways to make us stronger. And so, you know, that might change over time. We don't know. And we're, we're open about it. We have a very open conversation about, you know, what does that look like for us and what does growth look like for us and how do we do this together and how do we do this for the sector? We don't want to grow for the, for the sole reason of growing an empire. Like we want to make, we want to see a stronger sector. Mm, that's, that's great. And, what does leadership mean to you? Because you went from working in settings where, you know, you always had a, you were reporting to a boss, uh, you were a consultant for a while, which is typically, as you said, uh, it can be lonesome. And now you lead a team as a CEO. So what kind of responsibilities do you feel leadership comes with? And mm. what is your vision for leadership? Mm. That's a good question. I hadn't really contemplated that. And I'll add, you're also a leader in your industry, right? You've created kind of a, uh, a, a business model that's uh, helping change the game. I, I hope so. I think we're getting there <laughs> in some circumstances, not in all. Um, leadership, I think, um, you know, there's always some imposter syndrome, right? Like you always wonder if, if you're qualified to be doing what you're doing. 
and, and I try to reflect on that a lot, like make sure you're doing good deeds and not doing harm. And so I really try to reflect on, am I overstepping in my skills and experience ever? And if there's a niggling, yes, it's, do I find that expertise somewhere else and bring it in beside us? Um, or do we say this isn't us? And, um, you know, when I first started out, I thought I had to be everything for everyone. And that's, that's not, that's not productive for anyone. Um, so leadership is, I think, understanding where your skills are best attributed. Um, I think empowering, and I hope I do this, I don't know, empowering the people around me to do good work and making sure that they're in the right seats. Because if they're not in the right seats, I start to micromanage. And I know if I'm micromanaging, I either have the wrong person in the wrong job or um, I maybe made a hiring mistake for, for what I need. Um, and that's hard. Um, so leadership, what is leadership? Um, I would say empowering people to do good work and getting out of the way when you can. Um, and, you know, I tend to be an open book and I don't know if that's valued by my team or not, but I, you know, I can be vulnerable with them. I do ask them for feedback. Um, and, you know, I think we've got a pretty open culture where, I think everybody's comfortable doing that. And I see, see it more and more with our team. So, um, where, where they will step in and say, you know, and especially with my COO, she'll, she'll definitely step in and say, we, we don't need you in this. We need you here. And, and because I trust her, I can do that. So I, I don't know if I actually gave you all the, no, you did. Yeah, no, absolutely. You explained yeah. how, yeah you uh, how you, you view being a leader and how you approach being a leader um you touched earlier on you know the harsh reality of kind of balancing personal life and uh, and and work life in our career especially as women uh how how does that look like today and what kind of things do you find you have to you you talked about when you start consulting you kept it to a certain number of hours what's your key to kind of staying sane today and keeping uh, somewhat of a balance of that perfect work-life balance as we discussed, I don't think exists. No. Um, I would say my answer is I'm working on it. Um, like I don't work 80 hours a week, but if you were to take, if you were to tap into my brain, I definitely work 80 hours a week. Like when we take on a client, I am consistent. They are consistently in my brain. I'm not necessarily charging them for the time that I'm walking my dog and listening to a podcast and I get an aha moment on their behalf. But, but I really like, I, I don't say this. Like I, I, I actually love the work that I do. So I, I'm really energized by it. So I have Jerry Maguire moments where I'll, where I'll call one of my team when I'm out on a walk and they're very gracious and often they accept my call. Sometimes they don't and they know they don't have to. Um, we've had that open dialogue because if they say don't do it, I won't do it. <laughs> but if they're open to it and they want to brainstorm, like Lorraine and I do this quite a bit, um, I'll just call with some of my thoughts and ideas and bounce them off her. And it'll be kind of, it'll be during work hours, but it will not necessarily be my work hours. So I'm not great at it, but I do try to be, you know, here and present for my kids in the morning. Um, they can get themselves ready, but I just want to be there to see kind of what they're 
disposition is as they get up and head into the day. And I try to do the same on the other end of the day. Um, and I, I try to the best that I can. If I don't have to do anything on the weekend, I try and stay away from my computer. That's always a, a, a great goal to have. And as I try to practice it myself, not always that easy. And what kind of network did you realize you had to build around you to be successful and to, you know, kind of run your business as an entrepreneur? Um, so I've only gotten kind of okay at this in the last little while. Um, so I would say when I first started out, I got clients from word of mouth. I, I, I had a, a good career at the university and I, I left on really good terms. So, um, a lot of work came through that. Um, but then, you know, over time that starts to dry up a little bit. Um, and not that we've, we've only just started to do some marketing. So networking has been huge for me. Um, and I think, you know, every time we have a client, we also have a board we're working with and their staff and, you know, word of mouth is the most important thing that you can do. Um, and I think, you know, just having lots of conversations, um, you know, the pandemic was really good for that. Like, you know, I, I connected with people across the country, which I never would have done before and built, um, a network outside of my usual network. And so work has come to me through that as well. So, um, I think just for me, it's been, um, stepping out of my comfort zone and reaching out and, um, starting to meet new people like doing this, <laughs> um, and, and just being curious. And so I think the more curious you are about people, the more you connect with them and the better opportunity you have to build a relationship. So, and what would you say is on your agenda, you know, year ahead, uh, kind of the, the new things you're trying to implement, and that can be from kind of your own approach as a CEO and founder, it can be something specific relating to work and be a personal objective. What's one big thing that you're hoping to work on in coming months? Mm. I would say finding more work where we can be really impactful. And I know that sounds, that sounds very generic, but we've had a couple of clients that ha have allowed us to really kind of walk beside them and imagine with and for them. And it's led to some, some new work coming within their organizations that has been incredibly gratifying, like helping them elevate the level of thinking in terms of transformational opportunity for their organizations. And I can't talk too much about it right now, but we're working with two clients right now that I'm really, really excited for. And um, it's early days, so I don't know how it's going to pan out, but I hope in a year I could send you an email and let you know what happened. <laughs> Love that. We'll do a, we'll do a follow-up and uh, check-in. Yeah. And yeah. what's your definition of success and has it evolved over time? If we had this conversation earlier in your career, would it be the same answer? Uh, yeah, no, definitely. It's, um, it's changed. So before I would have said, you know, When I was at the university, I probably wanted to be the vice president of advancement for the University of Calgary. So overseeing that whole shot. Um, now I would never apply for one of those positions. It's not where I see my gifts being. And so I think for me, 
it's purpose filled work. Um, I want to get paid for the work I do and I want to be compensated equitably. And that's another tangent I could go down around the social profit sector, but we won't do that. Um, but, um, purpose filled work, like I'm, you know, I'm working on issues like poverty and homelessness and mental health and youth empowerment and women's empowerment and food poverty and all things that, you know, I'm sitting in my lovely home. I have healthy kids, I have a husband who has a job, things that, you know, we really can't, as fortunate people have a, a really hard time equating to aside from mental health. And, you know, like I just, um, I feel, I feel that, yeah, like purpose filled work, helping, helping, helping. Mm-hmm. That's a great measure of success. Um, my next question, which is actually my favorite question to ask guests on the show. What's one thing you wish women would do more of and one thing women should be doing less of? And you can choose to answer that for any gender as well. Okay. Or it can be specific to women. I, I think I'll do it from a women's lens just because that's why I am. Um, we're, I, I, we're women talking about women entrepreneurs. It makes yeah, sense. Yeah. So I, I can't imagine women doing more of anything. <laughs> When I imagine juggling motherhood and or a career or, and, or, so I would say meditating, (laughs) like seriously, taking some time to just be mindful. I think we women need to do more of that so that we can be in the moment and just really, um, appreciate our surroundings and, and, you know, gratitude. Yeah. I'm trying to apply that to myself. Yeah, it's, it's tough. It's, you know, and it's, it's all over the place, you know, you see it everywhere, but, but to actually do it is tough. And I've gotten in a process where I actually get up often at like five, five thirty, and I just sit on the couch for half an hour with my coffee. And sometimes I'll start with a period of meditation, five to 10 minutes. Sometimes I'll just read. Um, but you know, it's my quiet time. It's my just honing in, listening to the birds that I don't always do it, but those, that always sets the best intention for my day. Um, I think less of, we need to, we need to feel less guilty. Um, we're all going to drop balls on occasion. We're not always going to show up as our best selves. We're going to flub it. We're going to make mistakes. Um, I just think feeling guilty, it's not a good, productive use and I'm not and I'm guilty of feeling guilty yeah we have to get over our guilt of feeling the guilt too so there's multiple layers to it yeah but yeah I would, I would think those are two <laughs> two great things yeah. that, that uh, typically affect women in general yeah well thank you so much Jolene it was a pleasure speaking with you and it was great hearing about your journey and I'm excited to stay in touch and see what's coming up next for you yeah thank you so much and um yeah, really appreciate you taking the time. And, and I, I think you must have the patience of a saint to be doing this all the time. Um, but I, I guess you're also like, what do you love about it? Sorry, I don't know that I'm allowed to ask you questions, but what, what do you love about this? Yeah, what do you get from this? It's well, when I, when I started, it was, I would call it like my weekly therapy session because mm. right? it's, it's, speaking to like we release an episode every week so i get to i get to speak to an inspiring woman entrepreneur almost every week sometimes we record some in advance or you know more at a time but i it's it's kind of it's always inspiring there's always lessons for me so 
that's what that's what I get out of it. It's it's like having a mini session with a mentor. There's always a takeaway from somebody's journey or somebody's approach to being an entrepreneur or um, you know, sometimes we I speak to women who are are leaders in different sectors. So there's always a lesson in there. Mm. And that's that's what I get out of it. Do you find that it has it been enriching for you? Like has it been enriching? It has, absolutely. In terms of yeah, yeah. yeah. And Excellent. you know, sometimes Excellent. the conversation goes more towards things that are specific to how a woman is approaching running her business. Sometimes we'll discuss more the personal uh, aspect or, uh, you know, lessons learned. So there's always, it can be different every time, but there's always kind of a, a lesson or, uh, you know, little, little gems that, that I can take away and apply to my own approach. It's awesome. Well, thank you for doing what you're doing and thank you for the opportunity. I've enjoyed it. It's been easier than I thought. Oh, good. Success achieved. <laughs> I love that. I really hope you enjoyed today's conversation. And if you did, as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and give us a review wherever that is possible. Thank you to TD Women and Enterprise for their support of The Brand is Female. You've got it in you to succeed. Let TD help guide you. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and click on the TD logo. Thank you so much for listening to a podcast by The Brand is Female. I'm Ava Hartling, and this episode was produced by our team. Sound engineering by Isabel Morris. Research and production support, Claire Miglionico. Marketing and digital growth, Kayla Gillis. And partnerships, Natalie Hope. Yeah.